All right, everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of the Backseat Huddle podcast. As always, I am your host, Tristan Weber, and this is my co-host, Addison. Today, we are going to start our show with the slugfest that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers. So the Packers won the game on the last play of the game by stopping a potentially game-tying two-point conversion from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers winning 14-12. to What are your takeaways from this game, Addison? Honestly, these two teams are not really too exciting for me. I don't really care about either of these two teams very much. Uh, one thing I did like is that I like that some of the other wide receivers are starting to get involved. Romeo Dobbs looks really, really good. Um, considering he's just a rookie, I know Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of um, lack of trust for rookie wide receivers or younger wide receivers. It's good to see Al Lazard and all them try to get more involved in the plays start making sense for the Packers. Cause I still think the Packers are a legit team. They always get off to a slow start. Uh, even without Devonte Adams, I think they'll pick it up as the season goes on. Um, but the Buccaneers, why are you letting Fournette literally have a billion snaps? Like, I swear you never see Rashad white. You never see, I think Giovanni Bernard is still on the team. Uh, Vaughn, I forget that guy's name. Cave, Kayvon Barn. Uh, what's his Keyshawn name? Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm so sorry. Uh, it's just like this team doesn't utilize its weapons. It's so fixated on the Mike Evans, Julio Jones, super team show that it almost seems like they're not, never giving anyone involved. And the Buccaneers really haven't beaten anyone too convincing, like, uh, or anybody who's like really a contender. I don't think the Saints are really a contender at all. And I think the Bucks are just suffering because they don't have their super team anymore. You know, that was the team that basically had used to have four wide receiver ones and the team looks hurt. It seems like they're a little scattered. And Todd Bulls, even though he's probably one of the best defensive coordinators we've seen in the last 10 years, as a head coach, we're still seeing a lot of the same growing pains that he had back with New York. I don't know. All in all, my overall take on this is that both the teams are kind of just very underwhelming and, I don't want to see any of these two in the playoffs as of, as it stands. All right. So for me, there's, there's two separate entities to wake, to take away from this game. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's two separate things to take away. Uh, it's green Bay, the team and Tampa Bay, the team. And then there's also Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. So I'm going to start with the team. So green Bay, I disagree with you on this green Bay has a very obvious ceiling this season they're not a super bowl winning team they're not a super bowl contending team the packers are not an nsc championship game contender they are going to go out in the divisional round or sooner the packers are not going to win their division they are very likely going to split their series with the vikings and i'm going to predict they're going to lose a game to the lions they at this moment, cannot score with the Lions. They don't have the people around them to score against the Lions. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of if the Lions can stop them. My guess is that they will lose to a Tampa Bay or an LA Rams in the wild card round. They just don't have yeah. anything going for them on the outside. They don't have any weapons on the outside. They have a very good running back in Aaron Jones and very good running back in... <clears throat> Dylan, AJ Dylan, but this is not the 2000s. Defense and run game does not win you the championship anymore. Second, 
Tampa, mm-hmm. on the other side, proved to me the exact opposite in a loss. They are well within the Super Bowl bubble and could easily represent the NFC. Their offense sucks right now. The Tampa Bay offense is really, really out of sorts, but the defense, the defense is shockingly good, if not the best in the NFL for the part of the reason you mentioned Todd Bowles, but they're just really, really good on defense. Now, here's what it comes down to is the offense. If the offense gets healthy, and that's a big if because teams don't Mm -hmm. generally get healthier as the season goes on, you touched on this. They are loaded on offense. They have right now, and you said they've got four starting wide receiver ones. Right now, their starting left tackle is out. Their starting center is out. Fortnite has a hamstring injury. Yeah. And their first five wide receivers are on the injury list. Five. How do you expect to move the ball in a weapons league with a 45-year-old quarterback with five wide receivers on the injured list? And lastly, do we really anticipate Tom Brady, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette going 17 games without figuring out the offense? I definitely don't. So you're going to combine an elite defense with the all-time great quarterback right. and three wide receiver ones. They're going to figure it out. I will I will say this about Tampa Bay is that the NFC is not looking very good. It, when you look at all the t- competitive teams on, in the AFC, they're, they're stacked. There's so many great Super Bowl contending, Super Bowl winning potential teams in the AFC. In the NFC... I mean, most of the best teams are kind of like the Lions. The Eagles look pretty solid. Um, I keep using that word solid. Not bad. In general, I just feel that the Buccaneers now, when you think of the context of the NFC, yeah, I, I do think that they do have some sort of Super Bowl contending aspirations, but I can't see the Buccaneers beating any of the big top dogs and the uh, AFC at all. I will say this though. I think the drop off of Julio Jones is a little bit overstated. Uh, When you look at Julio Jones and the fall off he's had, it was just like hamstring injury. Then he went to the Tennessee Titans, which were a run first offense. And now he's with Tampa and he's with, you know, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. I think Julio will get back on track and I think he's going to do a lot better than people think he will. And Mike Evans, you know, it's not that he's super injured or anything. It's just that he got suspended. So I think once they get Mike Evans back, Julio Jones appears like he's coming back this week. Maybe Godwin comes back. I can start to see that this team could be a little bit more inspiring but they just need to get more people involved i know they signed cole beasley and i would like to see him get a little bit more involved i know he kind of retired and then came back but all in all i just really don't care for the buccaneers this year honestly i really don't care for the nfc this year i just feel like the nfc just doesn't have any strong hitters that could really compete against the juggernauts in the afc but that's kind of my take on it and the packers forget about it yeah, you're, you're totally right there. The AFC has probably four or five teams that are real Super Bowl winners. The the NFC has two, three. It's and that's and no. they aren't as good as the AFCs. Contenders. All right. So I got a little more. I just want to touch on here. Yeah. Uh, this week, Tom Brady was typical Tom Brady. This is I mean, the odds were stacked against him. Like I said, first five wide receivers on the death chart injured or out. Last play, last drive of the game, drives him 80 yards on the field for a touchdown. 
on the final drive and then just came up short. Every single person in the building, when they got that ball with three minutes left, you knew it. I knew it. All 80,000 people in Raymond James knew it. Every single person in Green Bay, Wisconsin knew they were scoring that touchdown. Nobody thought they weren't. The two point, I'll give him some, I'll give him some leeway on that because of the whole 20 seconds versus 25 seconds thing. But everybody knew what was going to happen there. Very Tom Brady. On the other hand, Aaron Rodgers was so predictably Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. When he had the ability to front run, get out to a lead, be ahead, and there was no resistance, nothing wrong, no issues. He looked like Aaron Rodgers. And then when he faced some adversity after that Aaron Jones fumble, that he looked terrible. Terrible. He started eye rolling, waving off that just melancholy, whatever Aaron. He threw for 80, roughly 80 yards in the second half. 80 yards in the second half. No touchdowns. And when it came time to win the game, he did almost do it with that throw to Lazard, but then he ruins it and throws an incompletion with three and a half minutes left and then takes a sack and knocks him out of field goal range and almost makes it a lost point there. However, before you get into this, ah. I'm going to defend Aaron Rodgers as well. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to defend Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady on their, let's call it less than stellar performances. They mm -hmm. both played as well as the given supporting cast around them enabled them to play. Neither mm -hmm. of them had any juice on the outside yesterday. And each team's defensive personnel was significantly better than their offensive for the opposing sides, offensive personnel. So Tampa Bay's defense was significantly better than green Bay's offense and then vice versa. So they both deserve credit for playing as respectably as they could with what they had. Right. That's, that's what I've got for that game. They're both just really old at this point. I, I think the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady tag on a, on a game like that is kind of just, it's, um, overstate its welcome but sure. I, I just want to say real quick Go ahead. that you know i i did see a meme i guess you could say where it's like man when aaron Rodgers is pouting on the sideline everyone is just like oh he's just being pouty but oh man when tom brady is breaking ipads 200 300 i you know whatever the hell they have on the sideline those tablets and stuff Oh, it's, he's passionate, man. He like narratives are so ridiculous. I think Aaron Rodgers is just, I mean, he rightfully so. It's not like, I mean, the difference between the Packers and the Buccaneers is that when Tom Brady says jump, everyone in the office is like, how high? While with Aaron Rodgers, it seems like the Packers are just like, oh, he won't leave. He, you know, they, they feel like they have him wrapped around their finger. I, I, I just feel like the team just doesn't nearly want to invest into Aaron Rodgers as much as the Bucs want to invest in Tom Brady, but that's a different discussion. No, the Buccaneers are absolutely all in on Brady. They knew that when they brought him in. They right. had to do it all right now. Uh, to touch on what you said before we move on, I I suspect the reason that narrative happens, and I wish I had the sound clip for this, is last week Aaron Rodgers said something to the tune of, when asked about his young receivers, he said something to the tune of, I'm not going to change the way that I play. The way I play works. They're going to have to be where I need them to be. Tom Brady, when he was asked about everybody being out, he said, we've got to figure this out. We have to figure out how to make this work. It's a the team, the team, the team versus me, me, me. So as such, Aaron Rodgers brings it upon himself by potentially making things more about himself while Brady makes it more about the team and winning. That's just my person. That's just my opinion as far as that's concerned. If you want to touch on that, you go ahead and can. If not, we'll move, we will move on to our next topic. You want to give me a little something? Nothing that's really just like not anecdotal evidence. Okay, uh, that's nothing, fine. Nothing concrete. I don't have any stats to really combat that, really. 
No, that's fine. We'll go ahead and move on. So Lamar Jackson is having himself a season with another stellar performance this weekend against the Patriots this week, going for 218 yards, four touchdowns, and then another 107 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Does this make Lamar Jackson the MVP favorite? Oh, 100%. I, I know people are really high on Jalen Hurts right now. I am too. But what Lamar Jackson is doing is something that he's already done in the past. Everyone is just always like, oh, he's not a quarterback. He, you know, all he does is just run all over the place. He had 3,200 yards. What he doesn't have in passing yards, he more than makes up for in his rushing ability. But what we're seeing this year with Lamar Jackson is very, very different from what we saw from his MVP season. He's more inclined to throw the football. He has 10 passing touchdowns in the season in with only three games. And then he also has two rushing touchdowns on top of that. That's 12 total touchdowns in the span of three games. That is absolutely ridiculous. And he's just always putting the team on his back. I think people don't use the eye test enough in football. And even last year, you look at the stats because everyone always says Lamar Jackson's overrated. I saw people leaving him outside the top eight, top nine, top 10. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. To say this man is not a top five quarterback, right now it's looking like he's a top two, top three quarterback based off these last three games. And like I said, last year, the stats don't explain the whole context of his situation. Last year, the team was kind of battered in terms of the secondary. They lost a lot of their key running backs, injuries galore leading up to that season. And if you watch those games, Using the eye test, Lamar Jackson always kept him in those games. He was leading game-winning drives. He was electric, bringing teams, carrying them on his back. And this year, it just seems like Lamar Jackson not only has something to prove, but I think he's trying to make a statement that he's still relevant in the league. And I, I'm to be honest, up till this point, I've been sick and tired of the Lamar Jackson slander because, you know, Justin Herbert – you know, even Josh Allen, I saw a ridiculous stat and I could be wrong, but I believe Lamar Jackson is 42 and 18 as a starting quarterback compared to Josh Allen's 42 and 22 as a starting quarterback. And people are still just like, oh, Josh Allen is far and away better, even though Lamar Jackson has led better seasons. Lamar Jackson has had like, especially in 2019, 36 touchdowns and six interceptions while rushing seven in for a touchdown. I mean, that's 43 total touchdowns. I know Josh Allen had a 50 plus touchdown season uh, in 2020, but I don't know. I just don't understand why people hate Lamar Jackson so much. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. And I think this year he really should He is the front runner in my opinion for MVP. I totally agree with you for the most part. I do not think Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback. I don't think he's the best thrower, but he is the Definitely best Definitely not player. the best thrower. Lamar Jackson is the best player in the NFL right now, regardless of position. I am totally in on him being the MVP right now. Yeah. Going into last week, I thought it was Josh Allen was in prime position because of the media narrative. It's a narrative-driven thing. Right. It felt like the, the media wanted him to have it, but Lamar is absolutely electric right now. The difference in his ability to stand in the pocket, read the defense and throw the ball and make mm -hmm. subtle pocket movements from last season, the season before is incredible. And he bet on himself going into this season without the contract. And it is looking like he made the right bet. Lamar is on pace right now 
to end the season with 57 passing touchdowns, 4,200 passing yards, 1,300 rushing yards, and 11 rushing touchdowns. That is 5,600 yards, 68 total touchdowns. Damn. There is absolutely no way he continues that pace. But let's say he does 70, 80, 65% of that. It is absolutely an MVP season. And there's another reason he's going to have a really good chance to get it is that his defense is banged up right now. So he's likely going to be in a lot of shootouts, which obviously means more points, more touchdowns, more yards. So I am absolutely in on MVP Lamar Jackson. I think we agree on this one. And the offense is a little weird as well, too. It's like, they traded away Hollywood Brown. I mean, I think Rashad Bateman has the potential to be Hollywood Brown. I know Hollywood Brown is doing quite well for the Cardinals. However, it's like this offense, if you're just looking at names, doesn't there are look none. that impressive. They're really like Mark Andrews is the best tight end in football right now. I know Travis Kelsey has been on a slight decline. Um, I do think Mark Andrews is better as of right now. But there's no good names. You have Rashad Bateman, and then you have Deviled Eggs, Duvernay on the, the other side. And he's been catching touchdowns, you know? But at the same time, I think that uh, Lamar Jackson is uh, ap- absolutely killing it. And I think he's basically putting all the – because 2019, everyone's like, oh, Lamar doesn't deserve MVP. You should give it to Russell. And I never understand that. People really just dislike running quarterbacks. Like, same with Cam Newton back in 2015. Touchdowns are touchdowns. Cam Newton in 2015 had 45 total touchdowns. That should not be disregarded. Also the record. I think uh, the only thing that will really keep Lamar Jackson from winning the the MVP is if they like finish with only like 11 to 12 wins. And I think ultimately the decider between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson will come down to who has the best win loss record at the end of the day. That's, that's a good point. And if, if that's going to be the case, it's likely that Josh Allen will end up winning it over Lamar Jackson because right. Josh Allen is in an arguably weaker division. I mean, I know they just lost to Miami, but yeah. that and I don't know. I, I do feel like there is some preseason media narrative in regards to getting Josh Allen. You kind of touched oh, on the yeah. very first show. You said you felt like he, he feels like he's due for it right. but lamar is is strides better I, it's i don't i also don't understand why people don't like lamar jackson when you look at him his progression from his first season to this season that just tells me he's putting in the work and he wants it and he wants to do better so i find right. it very hard to root against someone that tries and actively does what they can to get better at what they do and he has taken yeah. huge steps huge. and it isn't 2000 anymore the taco bell logo's different everything's different the quarterbacks are different just because a quarterback, because I, I will say coming out of college, he wasn't the best passer. Same as Jalen Hurts. But people are acting like you can't teach a player how to pass better. That's more of an anticipation thing. That's the game slowing down. You can bet on a player becoming a better passer over than some, you know, tall, you know, unathletic dude being able to grow some legs and be able to run 15, 20 yards or teach improvisation. You know, it's like when a quarterback really just lacks passing, you just have to show them film and get them better anticipation as they've done with Cam Newton. And even with Lamar Jackson is that they dumbed down the offense. And over time, they accumulated a lot of knowledge on how to run an offense more efficiently and then start to develop a little bit more complicated concepts into the offense so that way the team can thrive. All in all, um, I think the only thing that's really lacking for this team is that this team doesn't really have any, like J.K. Dobbins coming off the injury. I just feel offensively, they just don't have enough weapons. And over time, 
people are going to start kind of hyper-focusing on Lamar Jackson, and I don't feel like there's much he'll be able to do when teams are starting to kind of stack the box a little bit more. So it's they, he is going to have to lean on Rashad Bateman and Duvernay to be able to kind of make more plays happen, and it's really ultimately dependent on if they develop properly or not. Totally agree. Okay, well, while we are on the topic of Lamar Jackson... He and his Baltimore Ravens host the Buffalo Bills in what looks to be a battle between two of the AFC's top teams. What are mm-hmm. your expectations for this game? Uh, from my understanding, there are a lot of injured players on the Bills. My expectations of this game is that it's going to be really high scoring or it's going it's going to be either really high scoring or one team is going to severely underperform based off of what we've seen last week with the bills and the dolphins. We could see the bills start to slump a little bit. Uh, I think the Ravens may, I don't really know which team is going to really win this game. My money is definitely going to be on the bills because the bills have more weapons. Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis is coming back. They did, however, on the defensive side, they lost Micah Hyde, from my understanding. And losing that kind of defensive presence means that the defense is going to start to struggle a little bit more. So I really don't know how strong this defense will be. They're missing a lot of key defenders on the side. I mean, they still have Von Miller. They still have um, Tremaine Edmonds. Maybe I'm mistaken him with his brother. But the defense is still capable but i think with every passing week the defense is starting to look a little bit more shaky and shaky as the as the as i guess the season goes on and i just don't know if they'll be able to contain lamar jackson but all in all i still think i have the bills beating the ravens i'm gonna give a score of like 34 24 but i hope this is game of the year bills tend to pull those off absolutely so my my expectations for bills versus ravens is a lot of points You touched on this. Both teams rank in the top three or four Mm -hmm. uh, scoring this season. The Bills actually ended this game as a three and a half point favorite, which feels like a lot for a team on the road. But quick little thing for y'all out there. Road teams actually have a winning record the past two seasons. So the Bills do have a lot of injuries in the back end in terms of, like you mentioned, Micah Hyde. But the Ravens also have a lot of injuries in their defensive backfield as well. Mm. And each team has a great quarterback. So it makes it a really tough game to pick. Uh, My head says the Bills. uh, And my heart wants to say the Bills as well. But Josh Allen had a really rough game last week against the Dolphins. And you wouldn't be able to tell by the stat line. But he had six, six dropped interceptions, including three or four in the fourth quarter last week. And it was like a shockingly rough game for him. But statistically, their defense is still really good. They are second in the NFL in sacks and yards allowed. My Mm -hmm. heart, my heart says that the hosting Ravens will win this game. I don't know. It's just like one of those like gut feelings. Like, I just think they're going to win. I don't love their D at all. I hate that they, I hate that they let Devontae Parker go crazy on them. And they let a bad Patriots offense hang 27. It makes me concerned now that Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are coming to town. Uh, I just, I'm just concerned about what they're capable of on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not sure. I'm really not sure, but I'm going to pick the bills in a 35 30 game. And I'm thinking the bills will make one more defensive stop to decide the game. However, hold on real quick. The bills 
are 0-7 in one-score game since the start of 2021 and 14-1 in all other games. That is something to keep your eye on. The Bills do not close games well. They do not win close games often. Oh, yeah. I mean, that kind of what's told in the Chiefs versus Bills last year. Oh, uh, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, the Bills have played some. Uh, they've played some pretty good teams. I still think the Rams are going to be good this year. I, I think the Dolphins are starting to become legit. I know everyone was like, oh, everyone's overhyping the Dolphins, but there's only so much. Like, the Dolphins are the Dolphins are legit. They're, they, there's no way they don't make playoffs. If they don't make playoffs, I'll eat my shoe, I, I promise. <laughs> because I just don't see a world where this team misses playoffs. So, I mean, the Bills have beaten some contenders while the Ravens have struggled against, like, I mean, <sighs> They struggled sort of against the Patriots and then against the Dolphins. It was a super close game. I don't know. You know, now that I'm kind of thinking about it and even what you're mentioning, I'm going to have to say maybe that game is going to be a lot less closer than I think it's going to be. I, I might change the score to 34, probably 21, or maybe even 17 or something like that. Um, I guess we'll see. I, it, Lamar Jackson def definitely has a clutch factor, and he can always kind of bring games back. He, he's a very good quarterback. Lamar Jackson is as well publicized poor as well publicized that it is how Lamar Jackson is in the postseason in terms of his record. He is equally, if not better in the regular season, his winning percentage in the regular season is somewhere around 70 to 75%. Dang. So he lends a lot of games in the regular season. So Lamar Jackson should not be counted out of this game at, mm. for any reason at all. Okay. I think we'll move on. Uh, we're going to move on to a new segment for us. So occasionally we would like to take some of our observations from around the league and give you our opinion on who's underrated, who is overrated, and perhaps who is even right on the money. So I'm going to go ahead and let you start this out. I'm going to go ahead. What is your opinion on Ezekiel Elliott? I think Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, every year that we've seen Ezekiel Elliott, he has declined. He's still in the thousand yard range. However, with Pollard, I mean, Pollard still had more yards per carry than Ezekiel Elliott. If it weren't for that touchdown, Ezekiel Elliott's stat line looks very underwhelming. And I just think Tony Pollard has a little bit more explosiveness, a little. I know like in the last game, he wasn't as utilized in the past game. I mean, neither running back was really utilized in the past game last game, but I'm going to have to say Ezekiel is a little overrated. I think he's starting to decline. I think at this point, the trajectory of Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's going to spend a few more years with the Dallas Cowboys, but I can definitely see him being that running back. That's just going to be in these constant one, two punch situations where they're just like, all right, man, Ezekiel, it's red zone time. It's time for you to do your, do your thing. And, and he's still a really young running backs uh well i mean i guess he's in the decline years he's like 28 i want to say but he's been used so heavily since 2016 it just seems like every season he's having like 300 touches a, a season and i just don't think running backs are capable of doing that and i know some of his explosiveness is still there but another thing is is that ezekiel elliott does worse with dak prescott while tony pollard does better without Dak Prescott. So I don't know, man. I, I think the numbers are starting to kind of dwindle on Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm, I'm not too high on him anymore. All right, so this is just an eye testing for me. This is not a stat, oh, yeah. stat not a stat thing, but Ezekiel Elliott right this second is an underrated player. He 
definitely is not the Zeke we saw from 2016. And I wouldn't right. say he's back per yeah. se, but he looks good. Zeke has more juice than than he has in this last previous couple seasons, and he passes the eye test. Jerry Jones took some flack this season, this offseason, by saying the offense ran through Zeke. When at the end of last season, it looked very clearly like Pollard was the better back. But occasionally, you get those flashes of old Zeke, and it's understandable why it's so hard to let him go. Here's kind of where he fits in. Like you said, that power back style, kind of bring him into the goal line. He also does a lot of the unsung things really well, like pass blocking. He is a really, really, really good pass blocking running back. And the narrative is just that he's not any good at all. And that's false. Oh, he's no. He's just, no. he's just, Ezekiel Elliott is just not as good as the contract they gave mm. him. Pollard no. is the better runner, but Zeke is perhaps the more complete football player, which is why they're starting him and why I believe he's underrated. Yeah, no, I could see that. I think Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, mind you, he does have a lot more experience than Tony Pollard does. And we've seen uh, with my old fantasy boy, Tyson Williams, if you can pass block in the NFL, I mean, Mark Ingram's kind of proven that point. As long as you can pass block in the NFL as a running back, you pretty much always have a job. And that veteran presence, they always, you know, kind of jerk that off a little bit. But uh, all in all, I mean, I, I still think Zeke is still going to be a mighty fine running back for seasons to come. But I think he, I think there's, a, especially on the fantasy side, a lot of people are just like, oh, Ezekiel's back. You know, he's worth it. You know, he's a top 15 running back in fantasy. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, I was having this debate the other day, and maybe I'm out of pocket for saying this, but... If, like, let's just say hypothetically, the Cowboys traded for Alexander Madison or Kareem Hunt, I'm taking those two over Ezekiel any day. But I would too. Eh. I would too. Okay. Moving on. Let's move away from a player and move into a coach. Overrated or underrated? Bill Belichick. Underrated, man. I swear, dude, the amount of slander on this guy after Tom Brady left. Are we, we going to pretend? Okay, I like Tom Brady. But I just want to get that out there. I don't want a bunch of Tom Brady stands on, you know, you know, hoarding me all the time because I, I, I know a ton of them. And I don't know. Tom Brady goes to a super team with another Hall of Fame head coach in Bruce Arians. And everyone's like, dude, he's the guy. You know, Tom Brady, he changed everything. And it's like, yeah, he did. He did bring a lot of the talent there. But Bill Belichick, I mean, this guy was winning Super Bowls before. Like, I love how, like, Tom Brady wins one Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. Acting like Bill Belichick didn't win Super Bowls, you know, before Tom Brady. Didn't he win with the Giants? Yeah. Defensive the, as a defensive coordinator, Bill Parcells was the head coach. Yeah, but he was still a part of that championship winning team. I mean, dude, there's so many, there's so many contributing factors a part of the of a part of a Super Bowl winning roster. Tom Brady gets all the credit when a team wins a Super Bowl, but Bill Belichick as a defensive coordinator doesn't get a participation into another Super Bowl outside of his own realm. I know you disagree, but I mean, Bill Belichick, I mean, he's still making this team work, dude. Can you name five defenders? On the on the on the on, on the Patriots right now. Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Gee, uh Matthew Judon, Mal no Malcolm Butler is actually gone. Uh I got four. But you're you're I actually don't disagree with you as much as you think I do. <laughs> yeah. He has a part of the thing is with 
with Bill Belichick is he has a losing record without Tom Brady and he got fired from Cleveland without Tom Brady. That's why they're so connected. But in the grand scheme of things, Bill Belichick is not overrated. He is the greatest defensive coach of all time. No question. And he is perhaps the best coach of all time as well. He's the best coach of all time. No question. No question. I don't care what anyone says. However, right this second, Bill Belichick is overrated. He has not adapted well to the modern NFL at all. He makes a lot of head-scratching personnel decisions. Why can't I name five of his defensive players? He makes a lot of weird coaching decisions in terms of what he does, does and who he chooses to coach offensively. Why can't I name any of his skill position players? I would argue right now he is potentially the fourth best coach in the NFL, and people want to put him first. I would argue it's Sean McVay, Andy mm-hmm. Reid, Kyle Shanahan, and Bill Belichick. And he only gets there based on his defensive prowess. Just in terms of right now, he is overrated. All time, he is properly rated. I will I will say this. Uh, I do think Andy Reid is better than Sean McVay. Uh, I don't want to forget that. I, th- I mean, I always give a d- I call it the uh, L.A. tax. But with L.A. teams... Uh, dude, it's so easy to just be like, you want to come and play in LA? It's so easy to bring t- talent on, and he's he's had a lot of talent in in his years. I mean, getting Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it's just it's easy to retain players in LA. It's not like Kansas City or Philadelphia. People go to Philadelphia and go to Kansas City, they immediately want to get the hell out of there. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, dude, Philly trashes any player who even slightly underperforms, and I just <laughs> think Andy Reid is able at is way better at cultivating talent than Sean McVay. Sean McVay was trying to cultivate Jared Goff, and yeah, it was working. I mean, if it weren't for a missed call, they're not even in that Super Bowl against the Patriots, first of all. Second of all, I mean, he had to get Matthew Stafford. He has a lot of pre-established talent on the team that came before him. So, I I don't know. Maybe, because Aaron Donald was good before Sean McVay. I mean, Jalen Ramsey was good before Sean McVay. I mean, you have a lot of established talent, while you know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously we can't tell with Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was all right with Jim Harbaugh, but he really showed his talents when he got to the Chiefs. And then also what I like about Andy, I don't want to go on an Andy Reid tirade. I was about to just dip onto that. But I, I will say that I think Bill Belichick is very, very underrated. I think the appreciation of him has gone down the toilet, especially after Tom Brady won that seventh ring. Okay, um, I, we can agree to disagree on yeah. this one. Just want to touch on something you said. The Rams had back-to-back seven and nine seasons before Sean McVay got there. Uh, well, they also had a really bad coach. Yeah, Jeff Fisher is not good. Okay, we'll go ahead and move on to another player. Overrated, underrated, Tyreek Hill. I'm going to be biased because I just got I just got Tyreek Hill in a trade. Uh, so I don't know. Tyreek Hill is such a weird player. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a player that's just, like, that extremely explosive. He's very feast or famine. He can go out there, get, like, four catches for, like, 30 yards, have a very underwhelming game, and then he'll just explode for 300 yards. I mean, we've seen him do it before in the past. I think Tyreek Hill, it's really, really hard because he is making Tua look way better than he was last year. I'm going to have to go perfectly rated here. I think Tyree Kill is perfectly rated. I don't see a lot of people saying he's like a top five. Are people saying he's a top five wide receiver? Have you seen that? Man, I guess I'd have to think about that for a little bit because obviously Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, 
I still think Jamar Chase is up there. Ah, that's really tough to say. Um, yeah, I don't know. I shoot. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm always teetering on this one. I'm gonna go perfectly rated. I'm gonna stay perfectly rated. I think he. I think he's doing really good. Tyreek Hill is underrated. <clears throat> Tyreek's Hills. Tyreek wow. Hill's impact. Tyreek Hill's impact on the Kansas City offense is officially noticeable. You can tell oh, yeah, what bro. you can tell what your impact is when you leave somewhere. And it will be highlighted even more this week when the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Buccaneers. Since blowing out the Cardinals and they're not that great offense defense, rather, here's what the Kansas City offense looks like. 319 yards total yards against the Chargers and 226 yards passing and 315 total yards against the Colts and 257 yards passing. They are clearly missing him on the outside. The top three wide receivers for the Kansas City offense have 350 yards and one touchdown combined. At this moment, Tyreek Hill has 317 yards receiving and two touchdowns all while helping Tua Tunga-Vailoa, who we were talking about as potentially a bust last season, is currently second in the league in passing yards. Tyreek Hill changes the offense just by virtue of him being on the field. His Him being on the field makes an impact based on presence alone. Right. Tyreek Hill is underrated. You know, you're kind of swaying me. Like I said, I've been kind of teetering on this for the last like five years. Uh, yeah, you know, I would have to say he is very underrated because when he left or when he, you know, he went to the Dolphins, everyone was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are just going to be just fine without him. Every time I watch the Chiefs now, it's just, it's empty. Not Knowing that there's not going to be this massive Tyreek Hill bomb or like this magical play just kind of makes the Chiefs very less interesting, especially because they don't really have any, like there's Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, the running backs look very eh, uh, the defense is very eh. i don't know there's just no big playmakers on that team anymore except for patrick mahomes and travis kelsey yeah i i, I think that presence is felt and i i, I agree I, I i'm gonna switch from perfectly rated to underrated i'm gonna have to give it to tyree kill yeah i think tyree kill is a beast all right moving on to he's our a P, final... he's a pos man i will say he doesn't tip he doesn't I won't get into that, but you know, as a person, you know, all that aside, he's a great football. Player. He's overrated as a person. <laughs> oh, overrated as a person. Everyone thinks he's the funniest guy, but I don't know. He's kind of an asshole today. All right. We'll move on to his quarterback, Tua Tonga Vailoa. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Always underrated. This is not, partially not my take. So I'm going to be kind of snabbing a take here because it was a really great point. And it's the point that was kind of partially made with the Trey Lance take that you had. When you have a young quarterback, you want to limit distractions. And with Tua, his whole career has been filled with distractions. You know, we had the coaching staff literally trying to get Deshaun Watson instead of having Tua. Uh, there was, you know, the head coach was coming out and and there was allegedly, I guess you could say, they wanted Justin Herbert over Tua Tungavailo and stuff. And it just seems like this guy just gets tossed around way too much. And now he's finally in an offense. Like, disregard the last two years of Tua. Because this is the first year where the team is just like, all right, Tua's our guy. We're going to really invest into him. And we're going to make sure he succeeds. And every time he does something great, it's always like, well, Mitchell Trubisky did that. Or 
this happened or that happened. But I think Tua Tungavailoa has potential to be in the realm of Justin Herbert maybe next year, maybe two years from now. Potentially, maybe I'm I'm saying as a ceiling. I'm not gonna say as a floor right now. No, but like Tua has it in him, dude, and he has the weapons around him to make it work. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. I just want to say this. Hear me out. Tua is definitely nowhere near to Justin Herbert right now, but the ceiling is in the realm of like a top ten, top five quarterback. I mean, I like Justin Herbert, so I'm not gonna diss him like that. But man, put respect on Tua's name, man. Tua Tungavailoa is overrated right now. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is overrated weird, but... right now. There's a lot of people who are putting the Dolphins as number one on their power rankings. And now I that's a trip. I suspect their vision of Tua has a lot to do with that. He is clearly, Tua is clearly better this season than he has been in previous seasons, and he should. He has a better O-line, better weapons, and most importantly, an offensive coach, he should be better and he looks better. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a top five quarterback and that you have the ceiling of everything because that's just oh. not how it works. If you need everything around you to be perfect, that makes you Baker Mayfield. That doesn't make you Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. He, well, <laughs> I'm also prepared to argue. Tua Tungavailoa played better against the Bills than he did against the Ravens. He looked prepared. He looked like he was throwing to a guy based on where he thought he was going to be open versus just throwing to an open wide receiver like against the Ravens. It was three steps and then boom, the ball was gone. He did look really good and I think he is getting better, but I do not think he is this top five Drew Brees light that everyone wakes him to be. I will say history is definitely not on his side being a left-handed quarterback. Left-handed quarterbacks just don't do very well at all. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of biased. I'm starting to slowly realize, like, I don't really have a college football team. I guess you could say that I truly root for, but I mean, I simp super hard for Alabama players and what I've seen from Tua. All they're doing with Tua is they're trying to simulate an NFL experience very similar to how it was with Alabama having like a really fast paced offense, having a lot of players, I guess one thing that is being heavily disregarded because we're kind of in the, the wave of currency, I guess like we're currently we're in this Tua wave, but he's also a very injury prone player. And I think this will, I think really what's the only person who's going to be able to stop Tua at this point, now that the team is investing in him is his injury. Will he be able, will that hip stay available? Will he be able to make every game? It really comes down to that. I think this is a statement year for Tua. I feel like everyone kind of has the expectations if Tua doesn't do it this year, we're we're probably going to see him as a, as a future backup. So I think it's, it's uh, now or never for him this year, especially considering all the drama and the, the confusion in the past. Tua Tungavailoa is left-handed Kirk Cousins. He's going to put up all the stats and put up all the touchdowns. And at the end of the day, we're going to look at him and be like, is this guy really the guy? He is the left-handed Kirk Cousins. Okay. (laughs) Let's go ahead and move on to our final topic of the week. We do this every week. Best of the week and worst of the week. Go ahead and start us off, Addison. You know, I'm sorry. I have to go back to to this real quick. So my best of the week, and mind you, I've 
Saquon Barkley is definitely in my best of the week. So right now, as it stands, he has 317 yards. That's not including receiving yards and four touchdowns. That's more in three games than in 2020 and most of 2021. It's the same thing with Tua, where it's like, at this point, Saquon is been resurrected on the football field. I believe I mentioned this in the past, but I was talking to my friend and we were watching the um, the game against Tennessee and it just seemed like Saquon had just been resurrected on the field. It just seemed like uh, those last two years were thrown into a garbage disposal and out came this beautiful diamond of Saquon Berkeley. He looks really good, and I think the only thing that can really stop him at this point is his injuries because people are definitely already forgetting that he is very injury-prone. And I know that he recovered from the ACL injury, and I know that he's a year off of the ACL injury at this point. But uh, no, he, he looks amazing, and that Giants team is looking pretty solid as well. I think them losing Sterling Shepard and not really getting Kadarius Tony involved, I think they're really doing a disservice. They need to get Kadarius Tony more involved. I understand he has some personality issues, but if you get someone like Kadarius Tony, kind of like this Odell DeAndre Hopkins, baby DeAndre Hopkins type player, into this offense and utilize him with Saquon Barkley, offenses are not going to know what to do. I always said Daniel Jones has the potential to be a great value Josh Allen. And it's like, you can't do that if you got Sterling Shepard, who's now injured, Richie James, and a bunch of nobodies. But. <sighs> I, 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 and Kenny Galladay, I don't even know what happened to Kenny Galladay, but you know, they, they're starting to get the offensive line. The defense is starting to look a little bit better. And now it's in the hands of Saquon. But the, what happened last time with Saquon, when Saquon was the star, he got injured. So they have to start developing a lot of these, you know, younger players, regardless of their attitude problems. Like the fact that Kadarius Tony isn't playing is absurd. I know he's in, injured right now, but even before that, it's like having him and Saquon on the field would be a deadly duo, but I'll let you go. Agreed. So my best of the week is everybody who didn't watch Sunday night football. What an absolute snoozer that game was 11 to 10. You expect me to stay up until 1130 at night, missing out on my precious eight hours of sleep to watch Jimmy G step out of the back of the end zone for a safety. The game featured nine three and outs, no touchdown passes, neither team netting over 300 yards of offense, 17 combined punts. It was just all bad. I have nothing good to say about primetime games this season. They've all sucked. I posted about it uh, during halftime of the Dallas Giants game. It just has not been good for the NFL this year in primetime. So, yeah, if you chose not to watch that game like me, good job at home. I, I will say separating al michaels and chris collinsworth was probably the worst thing they could have done in football i don't know man they were so good together and another thing like i feel like when they were making the schedule they were really like you know uh, rubbing their hands together being like man we got some great matchups this year and it's i don't know all these matchups most of the matchups in the nfl i mean with the meta shift as we mentioned you know things are starting to look very different in the nfl I don't know. Most of these primetime games in general, as you've mentioned, has just been very eh, piss poor. I, I agree there. The Ravens versus the Bills is a one o'clock game. That is they need to start flexing because they don't they do that? They, they absolutely do games. that. They, they've just done really, they really have bad to. this season. They've done really bad. All right. I'm ready to move on to worst of the week. You ready to move on to worst of the week? I am because I already have my worst of the week. Latest off. The Raiders. How are you going to be like, th that was the team. Cause like, when you asked about people who the worst team in the West was, 
I feel like I wasn't hearing the Raiders more than I should have. I also don't like Derek Carr. I, I'm sorry. When I hear him over like Kirk Cousins, and I get it, you know, he's loyal. He goes through a lot of the nonsense of the team. But I, I'm just, I'm out. At this point, Derek Carr, that whole team, just throw the whole ass team away. I'm, I'm so done with the Derek Carr project. This has been like almost a decade in the making. And it's just, I have not ever saw Derek Carr just never watched him and been like, man, I can't wait for the Derek Carr rise. Like <laughs> it happened in that one season where he was like the MVP got injured before the playoffs, but I'm so <laughs> out on Derek Carr. I don't care. See the qualities he has that everyone likes is a good qualities and a girlfriend. He's loyal. He puts up with your, with your garbage, but as a quarterback, like he's putting up like 20 and 12 seasons. I, and then they get Devonte Adams. I'm sure Devonte Adams, I think we mentioned that you mentioned this in our messenger chat. I'm sure he wants to go back to the Packers. Like, honestly, this is just at this point, I would just be like, oh man, uh, I know in Fresno, we had a, had a good time together, but I kind of want to go play with the vaccine boy. I don't yeah, know. Each, each bad. party, each party of the Devonte, the, the, each party of the Devonte Adams Packers divorce lost. That's definitely how it looks right now. And another thing I want to say, because as a Cardinals fan, Chandler Jones used to be amazing. I like Chandler Jones. I used to at least, but he is so immensely overrated. Most of his sacks in the last two years have come from like really terrible O-line. The Seahawks, who also have a really terrible O-line. Chandler Jones, like, I don't know why everyone thought they hit the lottery. They're like, man, we got Chandler Jones. Things are going to be different. I'm like, dude. I was talking about feast and feast or famine with uh, Tyree kill Chandler Jones is very feast or famine. He either gets like four sacks in a single game or he's going to go weeks. He goes weeks without doing anything. His impact, like in that Rams Cardinals game last year in the playoffs, like where the hell was Chandler Jones? I don't know if he was injured or not, but it felt like his impact was his presence was not felt at all. Zero presence. So at this point, I'm I'm out on the Raiders. I think the Raiders should just overhaul the entire team, send Derek Carr to his to a precious new team that's willing to, you know, dump a billion dollars into him just to go like, you know, eight and nine or something like that. I, I don't like Derek Carr. Cool guy. Derek, Derek Carr is West Coast Kirk Cousins. <laughs> no, dude, I wouldn't even say that. Derek Carr is like David Carr, his older brother, <laughs> like they're just they're the same. Honestly, I'd rather see David Carr with a was it David Carr? I'm sorry, yes. I, sometimes I question yes, no, myself right. mid sentence. David Carr, I would rather see David Carr in the current NFL. And mind you, David Carr is the Super Bowl winner. He won with the Seahawks back in the day when he was a backup quarterback. Just saying, but I'd rather see if I could trade current Derek Carr just to see David Carr have a good old line when he first got drafted. I would I would change those out in a heartbeat. I don't That's know. Derek, Derek Carr, I, I don't like him. All He's right. not top 15. I'm sorry. You All can't right. hate on Carson Wentz and also like Derek Carr. I'm sorry. I'm a Carson Wentz fan. I don't like Derek Carr. All right. <laughs> Worst of the week, NFL offenses are not doing well this season. This is perhaps something that's not quantifiable statistically. But eye test shows that offenses don't look good right now. The average team is scoring two points fewer per game each. And there is also a 35% increase of offensive penalties this season. So teams are starting further back more often. Now, 68% of games have had less total combined points than projected. 
So almost 70% of games are have a lower total score than they are expected to. The league is scoring less than it has recently, and that's only two years removed from the 2020 season, which set a record for the highest scoring season of all time. A perspective on the NFL's lack of scoring this season is Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Patrick Mahomes all scored 20 points or less this week. I would bet on it evening itself off, but for now, they're just not scoring, but it's just been really, really, really rough this season for offenses. Yeah, because you were the one, because for a while there, I I was thinking to myself, I was like, am I tripping or is just everyone just bad now? And then I think it was you. So I had my friend bring it up and then I was just like, oh, I'm not really sure how to, how, you know, if he's right or not. And then when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah. And then when you sent me that ESPN article kind of bringing up a lot of like how unders are hitting. So like the most in historical numbers, I guess you could say it it was just like, man, yeah, the NFL feels really weird when you have the lions and the Eagles, uh, the Jaguars as some of your best offenses in the league. I don't know. Maybe it's a matchup issue as well. Maybe they thought teams were going to be a lot. Like I know the Cardinals were a team that everyone was really high on this year. The Broncos were really high. And I think a lot of offenses that were expected to do really well are just not hitting at all the Rams. And I think it's just, it's partly to the fact that the NFC looks as bad as it does, but no, I think that's a great take. Well, cool, man. Thank you. That unless you, Got anything else? That's our show for this week. Oh, yeah. I do have one last thing. Go uh, for it. I'm glad I jinxed Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I'm glad to see them getting the show back on the road. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I'm glad. I hope uh, hope next week that, or tomorrow, actually, I hope they beat the Dolphins and get themselves back on the map. They lose against the Dolphins. I don't know, man. Maybe Joe Burrow's not who we think he is. But... Oh, the teaser. That is our show <laughs> for this week. Take care, everybody. Peace.